0: Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review or just share with your friends and definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for coming to do this. Um, this is going to be awesome. I've actually been looking forward to this conversation, uh, amongst many, um, and we're going to be talking today a lot about conventions, online conventions, but also like how you guys are managing life as a uh, professional artist, uh, independent artist in general in this like bizarre world and the new normal of COVID. Um, but before diving too deep into all of the fancy schmancy, who are you guys? Wade, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: All right. Uh, My name is Wade Acuff, and uh, I'm an artist and illustrator, uh, but also do uh, animation and motion graphics. That's a little bit of a lot of things to pay the bills. So that's, that's where we are.
2: Sarah. All right, uh, I'm Sarah Dollinger, and uh, I do creature design, and I work in uh, both 2D and 3D, and um, I also do scientific illustration, which is great because I studied a ton of anatomy, so that informs the creature design. I'm a huge anatomy nerd. That pretty much sums me up.
3: And
0: last but not least, Leslie, please.
4: Hi, my name is Leslie. I also go by Mighty May Online. Um, I'm a fantasy artist. I am working on a tarot card deck, as well as a whole bunch of fantasy creature design series. I kind of do my own thing. I'm not really working for any company. I use a variety of different platforms to fund my projects. So that's me.
3: So you you all
0: have um, a pretty uh, Would Significant be a a fair description of the amount of experience that you guys have with conventions, um, going to art conventions specifically?
3: Uh, Yeah, I've been
1: doing it for a while. I think my first convention was 2007, Um, so that was quite a while ago now.
2: I'm actually pretty new. Um, my, I kind of started dipping my toes in um, 2018, 2019, and 2020 was actually supposed to be my big year. Uh, oh. Like, I got into all the shows I wanted to get into, so it was oh, kind of yeah. like wah-wah for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well,
2: that'll... Oh,
4: I'm somewhere in the middle. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
4: Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle. I've been doing it for uh, quite a few years now. I would say four or five years now. Most of my experience is in more of the Renaissance fair side of things, but I have started to branch into more of the uh, kind of more mainstream conventions, I would say.
0: Uh, a quick aside, What can, make, can you make a differentiation there? Like what is what is the more mainstream conventions versus what your your experience is in the past?
4: Uh so I would say like more like um anime conventions and comic book, con- book conventions, fantasy conventions like Dragon Con and Gen Con, I'm starting to try to get into there. Uh this is my first year doing Dragon Con, for instance, and it's uh it's quite the experience.
1: <laughs> what a year. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah,
3: good year to start trying to get into that stuff. <laughs> All right.
0: Um so i I like with these kinds of things I like to take a minute to pretend that um this is the just like the the first time that I've been introduced to like if it's a concept that is um that we kind of take for granted and we all know what we're talking about when we're talking about art conventions and you know maybe a greater cross section of the the population would be vaguely or very familiar with comic book conventions um but the type of art conventions that might happen outside of that might not be as uh crystallized and while there's some similarities um maybe wade since you have maybe the the most experience among us can you walk us through a little bit like what is an art convention uh why do you guys like to go to them
1: Uh yeah sure um I mean I do have a lot of experience of from going and just attending as well uh, but if you were approaching this from a I've never been uh a lot of them are pop the smaller ones are pop culture style conventions everything goes sci-fi uh, fantasy um, you name it they'll probably have something there the bigger ones anyway like the Dragon Cons and uh, some of the Gen Con Gen Cons mostly for gaming. But it encompasses a lot in gaming. Uh, but as far as the artist standpoint uh or perspective, you get a lot of uh if you're working in fantasy art or you know, even sci-fi or whatever your genre is, you'll get a lot of eyes that that will uh that may have not seen you. Um that's one of the things. Uh for instance, like um uh I've never done Dragon Con, but uh I've attended for over 10 years. Um It's one of those places where I'll go in artist alley as an artist and I'll see people I've never seen before or heard of, but that's my introduction. And so from there you can, you know, follow them, you know, follow their, their artistic journey. Uh, um, So, I mean, it's, for me, it's one of those places that even if I'm attending as an artist or uh, just attending as, you know, uh, uh, just someone going, um, it's I don't know it just it kind of gives you that perspective or that that um hey we're all in this together we can uh you know as a as an artist you can get there and and present and show your work, but having a little bit of perspective from the other side of the table um it's i don't know i, I try to bring that to it, but um I'm kind of getting lost in my own words here the uh yeah, you're
0: doing fine
1: <laughs> i think you think the original question was what's a con well um it's uh it's a little bit of everything depending on where you're going um i'll just uh for gen con it's a gaming convention they have a lot of people uh artists there but also vendors that sell games um uh let's see like uh and leslie could probably talk about this uh i've also done a lot of ren fairs and it's a completely different thing so i'll let her i'll let her talk about that but um i don't know for me it's one of those uh there's a, a li- different little aspects of, um, cross, I guess, cross culture that you can be introduced to at a convention. I don't know if that answered any of that question, but that's kind of where my brain went. So,
0: no, not not at all. Um, I'm going to disconnect you now, Wade. Um, thanks. <laughs>
1: Good to see you guys.
0: <laughs> no, that I I I that I think that does a lot. But um, yeah, sort of speaking to that point of. Different conventions being very different from each other. Uh, they all have share some similarities. Um, but like Wade said, Leslie, you've been to um, some Ren Fairs and those have like a particularly unique sort of flavor. Can you tell us what those are like?
4: Uh, I think like the purpose of the Ren fair is mostly to transport you to like a different time, a more fantasy type setting. But, uh, you know, everyone's in garb and everyone's talking in the accent. And I think a big difference between the Ren Faire and like a regular convention is most of the Ren Fairs that I've been part of are juried. So they usually try to keep um, only a certain amount of each type of wear there so that there's more variety. Everything is handmade, but it's not just art. There's, you know, there's sculpting, there's blacksmithing, there's metalworking, there's just, there's just so much there. And there's such a huge variety, but they try to keep it so that there's not a lot of overlap and there's not a lot of competition in any any one particular space. So it's, it's very, very different. You don't have quite the cutthroat kind of competition as you'd have in a normal convention.
0: And that's an interesting choice of words, cutthroat. (laughs) Wait, wait. Have you ever felt like you've been uh, in Thunderdome at any of these? Or uh,
1: you know, I don't like to think of art as a competition, uh, <laughs> but we all know when it comes to you know selling things. Of course, there's a little bit like, hey, look at this table. looks looks you know more appealing or whatever the case may be. But uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily say cutthroat. But I get the idea. There are a lot of things blending like you see a lot of the same, Uh, especially I kind of notice it more on more, uh, I want to say local as opposed to smaller cons. You see a very much, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know exactly, but you know, there's seems to be, um, you know, quite a, quite a bit of overlap to use Leslie's phrasing. Uh, So there's that disadvantage, I guess, to, you know, being at in a place with a lot, a lot of artists that, that uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, come one, come all situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of like painting a, a bit of a picture of what traditional conventions have been like for you guys in the past. Um, what, the, I've, I have had a hard time sort of wrapping my head around the online conventions now. Um, I've, been a spectator you know on at at a couple here and there mo- mainly ones that have taken place on uh, on discords um, and even being present it can be sort of hard to be like what's going on and where do I go and how you know how do I see things and how do I talk to you know what I mean like um so to the best of your ability uh maybe each one of you guys because Sarah I don't want you to feel left out of this line of questioning what are people actually like experiencing uh, when they are going to an online convention like what's like take again like I I know nothing about this pretend that I'm absolutely totally ignorant what am I doing and what am I seeing when I'm attending
3: an online convention wait you can give it a shot
1: So I uh, only have, you know, there's a very small sample size. It's only this year, right? Um, so for as far as attending, uh, as, as a vendor, I did Gen Con. Uh, I attended Dragon Con and uh, was a presenter at Lightbox. Um, so I'll just kind of go briefly through each one of those. uh. I would say uh, you're you're you hit it right on. It's kind of hard to know when you're, especially especially in the attending space. um, It's hard to know when you're there when you're you know interacting active because everything was happening happening on Discords. Uh, For DragonCon, what they did was kind of cool in a way that they still had events they would normally have. Um, So they have a at DragonCon has a parade every year. Uh, They still did a parade. They did a virtual parade where they had people. Uh, and, and they had their DragonCon TV. Anybody that has been to DragonCon would know that uh, DragonCon TV is the channel you leave it on in your hotel. You know, as you leave, you just leave it on all the time. It has panels that you either couldn't get to or wasn't sure you wanted to see, but they're showing it live um, or pre-recorded. They have multiple channels now, um, so they still had the DragonCon TV that you could watch through. Uh, I can't remember what service, but you could watch that. Um, so they did a, they did a parade, uh, same time they normally do it. What they did was they had people send in videos of them walking across the screen, all the same direction in their cosplay. And they (laughs) did a big edit of it and put it all together. Uh, but they had the announcers, they, they have hosts just like a regular parade. They had never seen it. So they just hosted it live. And it was really—it was one of those like, "Hey, this is this is like attending. This is what a virtual attendance is." Um, so as far as that segment for DragonCon, that was great. Um, GenCon uh, Gen was a little different. Uh, I didn't actually play any of the games, but I did stream, um, so it didn't really feel like an a, an attending situation. Um, but Lightbox was another high point. Um, they used everything. They they went through Discord. Uh, mainly for what they did but they had halls set up uh, and they were doing a lot with their um, where you could uh, draw with artists like industry professionals Uh and they had different you know levels of people uh, you know I think there was like a VIP area and some other stuff but you would hop in and chat with people while you were drawing or you could just hop in and listen to people talk Uh, It was pretty interesting. I didn't actually get to see the vendor floor. I heard that was really cool, but I actually didn't get a chance to check that out. Uh, But anyway, that's um, that's kind of my take on what I've seen this year online. Uh, But as far as attending, it is hard to know because one one little note about the lightbox thing. Um, I was just hopping around in in the discord and uh you didn't know if you were like could could jump in a conversation mm-hmm. uh the one that i did i was very welcomed so you know i could see people getting used to that um but it is hard to know about like am i actually attending what's the thing i'm supposed to be doing here you know uh but anyway
3: that's
0: so sarah you were saying that you know you're sort of like new to the convention circuit generally um did you, what was your experience going into this whole new world that everybody's sort of unfamiliar with, but you're kind of like on this extra level of, you know, new territory Yeah, you've been to conventions as a, as a spectator in the past.
2: Oh, I, um, I actually did a couple conventions. So I did, um, I've done a couple of local stuff and then my big, my first big one was, uh, Monster Palooza in oh, cool. Burbank. All right on. Um, that was a great one to do. Um and uh, and then I was I got into Gen Con this year and Dragon Con this year, so they were going to be like my next big ones, but obviously they went virtual. So I mean I can compare that with the actual Monster Palooza I did. Oh, and Monster Palooza got pushed back too. Um, I think the the like it was so strange because you expect to like you hope to make an actual connection with, with someone. And that was the biggest, that was my, my biggest hurdle was um, one of the thing I noticed is I did a local con called total con and and it was my second – it squeaked in, like, in February this year. So it was, like, my second time going. And I noticed there was a huge difference. Like, people were like, oh, I remember you. And, oh, we talked about this last time. And and I noticed that my sales increased. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to have Monsterpalooza take two this year. And, oh, and that will be better. And then it switched to online. And I noticed that none of that was able to happen because I didn't think – like, people couldn't figure out how to actually – get to me i think like i streamed all of gen con like i was on all the time and i was always on twitch and i was like come chat with me and i don't think people actually like the attendees actually got it like i don't think they understood that they could speak with me um right. so that was kind of a bit of a challenge
3: <laughs> yeah yeah about- that's
5: one of the things with online cons uh with uh conventions in-person conventions, they're going to be walking around the floor and they'll stumble upon you. With online, it's a lot more, you have to know where you're going to get there.
2: Yeah, I noticed that was a huge problem because um, I have, I'm talking to other my, my other friends, and if they had already been, they they were seeing people that they knew and people were finding them. And I had never been to Gen Con or Dragon Con, so my name was just like a in the sea. So it was a little tricky that way.
3: How about you, Leslie? Yeah, oh, go ahead.
1: I was just saying your Gen Con uh I did the same thing. I streamed all through Gen Con. Don't really know if it helped. Uh, but I actually went back and looked at where follower or where people were coming from from Gen Con, like the numbers. Um, and on over the four days that I streamed. I think we had a total of 138 people total that came from the Gen Con portal. Um, so not a lot. So, you know, it was difficult to find people.
0: That's to your website?
1: Yeah, you can look at your statistics uh, on, on Twitch and see where those viewers come from.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and I oh, just, okay. that's from the Gen Con portal. Oh, I see. Okay, that they had open for
0: us. I see. Right. Yeah. So this is part of the disconnect that I, have a, I, I'm still like, you know, trying to wrap my head around it. And this, so this, a lot of this conversation is to like, try and paint the picture for people that, you know, one, like haven't been attending these things or two are also going to be, you know, just like listening, you know, and might be inexperienced with this in the, in the first place. Um, and so you guys were saying that most of them have happened on Discord? Like the couple that I've seen, have, have that's where it's been happening. Have have they all so far been basically Discord?
4: I know DragonCon was mostly Discord. They had a huge room with tons of people, mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of people. And the chat rooms in there were flying. I actually didn't stream at all during um, DragonCon, Con. And I relied mostly on. They had a special artist alley room set up in the Discord where you could post um, promotional images and anything about your your product or what you were doing, and have interactions with the attendees through this the Discord rooms. And that was really really good. I enjoyed that a lot, and I felt like I got uh, quite a few people coming out from the Discord room going to my. Uh, I think it was Event Any storefront page they had like a cohesive streamlined page where everyone set up their their products and uh it worked out really good
2: oh see now that's good to know because i did the other thing i streamed during dragon con and i think it did nothing like (laughs) i don't think it helped me at all (laughs) so apparently discord is is uh, a winning ticket
0: um so i'm a an attendee at, at one of these conventions i'm I'm going to dragoncon online um again forgive the simplicity of like these sort of preliminary questions but like i'm i'm go i want to go see gencon online what what am i doing first like how do i even like were they selling tickets on like gen like gencon dot com and then like there would be a link to the discord and that's how I would make the connection or what?
1: Uh, so Gen Con, I don't know if Sarah, you can talk to this as well, but uh, oh, yeah, and no, I was just using Gen Con as know, an example,
0: it. like, and just, you know, any, right. any of these.
1: Well, I picked, the, I picked Gen Con out cause it's a little, uh, felt a little different. Uh, they tried to um, cause they, they're a, a gaming convention for the most part. And they, they, their, their ticketing system is set up differently than most cons because people are going to play games, but they also have to pay their DMs and, you know, people that are running games. So it's a little bit different. Um, so they would have, uh, if you were new, I-, I couldn't imagine navigating it not knowing this because I was there in person when my first time I went. I was like, wait, so you bought a ticket, but then you still had to get tickets to play games. <laughs> so it was this whole other level. Uh, but as far as, you know, this is is an art related, uh, conversation, uh, it was a little weird in the fact that, um, to get to the, they kind of had their, I forget what they called it. Um, uh, Sarah, you can help me out here. Uh, they had like a portal where you could, uh, put all your images up and, um, it was like a big layout that you could navigate and select different artists.
2: I think it was a uh, looking glass, right? I called it the looking glass That's
1: it. and they had That's like it. this,
2: it, I think it was, it was like an attempt to at being cool, but it was kind of hard to navigate. And they had like everyone's little icon and like this giant kind of globe thing. And you could float over it um, to, you know, kind of peruse what was going on, but it was so big. I, I looked at it to f- try and find myself. And I was like, just, it was so much little icons everywhere and they're tiny so you can <laughs> barely see them so <laughs> it was really hard to use that to find they did have a list on the side of like people's names and their links but the actual interface i don't think really helped anyone
1: yeah that and uh it was like four separate if you went to uh gencon on uh com or whatever it was like four or five separate clicks just to get to the portal uh um so that was already kind of
0: that seems really weird like you are you had a Gen
4: con what's course. that oh i didn't bet a gen, gen con but i did try to navigate it and i was so overwhelmed by that portal thing that i didn't even get anywhere i kind of just left and just watched wade stream
0: <laughs> it seems strange you know that like okay you are the convention you know it's not it, it you're the one like this is where people are are going like that would just be like item number one on your to-do list. Like make the numbers of clicks that people have to like do to get to where they need to go as little as possible. Like this is internet one Oh one, right? Like who's (laughs) who needs to get fired for that one? Um, But I, I I mean being a a jerk aside um, I also want to give like, some latitude to whoever is putting these things on because it is so new and this is such a unique experience and trying to juggle all of the variables and logistics, I'm sure, like, had to be a freaking nightmare for you know, for the poor people that were responsible for trying to give this some semblance of usability and yeah. So I, on the one hand, it's like a lot of these things just seem like obvious gimmies, you know like don't do this <laughs> that's that's obvious but then on the other hand it's like well all right this is a little bit crazy this is this is kind of mayhem but um now you one thing that you guys were saying was that um so you're streaming during the conventions or some of you were streaming some of you weren't for i guess okay for those who were streaming or for those who like went to other people's streams via the convention, there was a link that people could get to your stream from. So you, I'm in the discord where the main convention is being hosted. And then I find Wade in one of these rooms and then I'm able to go to your live Twitch stream from there.
1: Uh, with the Gen Con thing, I did promote myself every day because they had a self-promo part. Uh, that is the only way from the Discord you could get to me. So you had to be see that. And there was, you know, it's Discord. There's no shout-out for it. It's just you have to see it. So from that, yeah, you could get to, to my Twitch uh, page. But uh, otherwise, it was straight through the Gen Con portal. Uh,
2: the other thing about that was on that promo page for Gen Con if you were streaming you could be on the promo page and you could see what i would be doing or any artist would be doing but you weren't in the twitch stream like you were you, you were seeing like an embed mm-hmm. so it's not like those people were brought in to chat or subscribe or follow or anything like they could just be watching on their embed mm. on gencon and not even and and like not even know that like you could click and get to my twitch and you know have all that going on too
5: so we're talking a lot about what went wrong with these conventions have whether it's something that you guys uh took part in yourselves or experienced with a different convention that you didn't attend or take part in what did people do well was there anything
2: i think lightbox really did well Like, I attended Lightbox, and Lightbox isn't like a gaming con, it's more like an artist conference, and it was all tutorials, like, nonstop. And I loved the way that you could put them on your Google Calendar, automatically get noticed, click the link, automatically go to the lecture, and then they were really cool about recording them, many of them, and posting them later. So it was just like this absolute flood of high quality knowledge that you had just for a whole weekend. It was m- magical. Lightbox really killed it.
0: Leslie, what did you yeah, think I'm of? Be- uh, uh, sorry, what, what did you think of uh, DragonCon overall?
4: Um, as far as like positives for the Dragon Con experience, I, once yeah. again, going back <laughs> to the cohesive storefront. I actually didn't like the idea when I first read about it. I'm like, oh, I already have a storefront. I really don't want to have to put the time and effort into making a second one. Why can't they just link to my storefront? Um, but after doing it, I think that it was a positive. I think that having that cohesive feel to it, having um, like one shopping cart where they can see all of the products that they want to buy, they can kind of compare, they can take things out of there if they're like over what their budget is. Um, it feels like more like going into event. And when you think about it, going to a whole bunch of people's different stores, each store is going to be kind of formatted different. It's going to be harder to navigate each one because you're just going to have to figure out where everything is. But when it's all cohesive and it's all the exact same, it's really easy to find the things that you want to. So I really thought that that was a really positive aspect of the Dragon Con. And even though it did take a a lot longer to set up, I think I put a day aside for it. Um, I kind of just focused on a few products, like a, a couple series, my biggest series, my newest series, and then I tried to make sure that I had different price points in there so that I had every type of buyer covered and uh i like i said i put up probably 40 pieces max so that i didn't overwhelm anyone with too many decisions and it worked out it worked out well
1: wait how about you did you have any positive experiences with any of these yeah uh yeah i mean i'll just to uh, to you know the lightbox killed it uh even on like from the presenter side they sent me every piece of information i would have needed you know, like in, and any emails I sent we're right back in response. Perfect. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out too to, to DragonCon just from the, cause that's my kind of vacation con. Um, they weren't going to have, I mean, they were, they were still going to try and do, uh, I think they were the last minute convention this year that decided, okay, no, we're going virtual. And I was like, it's going to be not good, but they threw something together and we watched <laughs> several panels and they were, they were great. Um, so just, you know, like Joby was saying, just, you know, the fact that they put all the work into it, even though not everything was perfect, uh, at least it was still an event, but anyway, got to hand it to them.
2: Yeah. That's one thing too, is like, I know we're ragging on some a little bit, but like, it was really obvious that the people who did Gen Con and Dragon Con and Lightbox hours and hours and hours of work, like I total respect for what they were trying to do.
1: Uh, yeah, and GenCom the same way. Any email, any email I sent, questions, immediate answers. So they were on it.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, this, it's it's fair enough to not dwell too much on the uh, on the negative. I guess my inclination would be the uh, you know a constructive critique, just because who knows how long this is going to be the normal, you know, and uh, how what the the future is going to be like and having that kind of like feedback you know i would definitely want to make a a a note to everybody listening like it's it wasn't my intent and i don't think it's anybody's intent who's you know here um you know on this podcast episode to disparage like anybody's effort um or to be like oh this sucks and uh, um certainly not that. If anything, if there if there's any context to the the criticisms it would be like, okay, just moving forward here are some things to keep in mind and then speaking hearing directly from the artists that were there and experiencing it, you know, that would obviously be the uh the best source of information from and I'm sure that they're getting lots and lots of feedback on that already and a lot of it probably is not very nice and you know and and crappy so i while i think the criticism is important i want to emphasize that this isn't intended to just be like you know pooping on their parade um but um when when you guys go to conventions normally uh, i want to kind of take it back to um like the real world the the normal normal Uh, When you guys go to conventions, typically, what kinds of things do you guys do to try and grab people's attention at a convention um, and draw them in and then also compare that a little bit to what you did to try and grab to whatever extent you were able to do this to grab people's attention and like draw them in and keep them engaged in an online convention. Wade, I want to start with you because you actually sent us something really cool um, that we're going to play in a minute. But um, tell us a little bit about that first part of that question. Like, When you're going to a normal convention, what, what kind of things do you do to like, grab people and reel them in, so to speak?
1: Uh, I mean, generally, I'm, I'm not very much of a push the sale, uh, but I will usually stand up. Uh, you know, like if it's a booth situation, I'm usually standing, making eye contact, saying hello, feel free to look around uh, if you have any questions, but just even that first initial like make eye contact, say, hey, how's it going? You know, do you want to, uh, you know, feel free to look around? Here's, you know, this is what I do. You know, don't push it, but make sure that they know that, hey, that person will talk to me and you'll you'd be surprised how many times that just brings somebody over. If things are really slow, I might do the, like, hey, you know, get eye contact, say, come here, come here and take a look, you know, but that's very rare. Um, but in this case, the only thing, and I was racking my brain to try to come up with some, you know, just watching someone stream, I think is pretty special, but I, I may be uh, a little, you know, off. But uh, just watching someone create something is something I always have always found to be just, you know, magical um but in this case i knew that maybe people were coming by not knowing what's going on not you know uh but i wanted to try and give them the the con experience so i did a ridiculous little thing called uh booth cam you know how creative <laughs> uh-huh. um but on a host or a raid um i would not i didn't do it all the time but on like bigger raids bigger hosts I'd usually say hey let's go into the booth cam and then you know I'd do a little stick but it was it was silly it was fun I had a lot of fun with it I think the people liked it I don't know that it brought any more people in but it may have kept people there longer um that was kind of the goal
0: anybody that's uh listening to this episode um uh, that is maybe unfamiliar with any of the jargon that you're hearing uh raiding um hosting even I guess streaming, um, and like what, what is discord, all that kind of stuff. Go back to episode number one. We go into a deep dive about all of those things. Um, so I think
1: it did help. I think it did help retain people. If I caught, you know, if I did it soon enough, I think people stayed a little longer, um, I probably would've used it more if I had better ideas after the fact, but if it happens again, I'll, we'll bring it up. We'll, we'll do something new with it
0: yeah no, that was awesome um well sarah and leslie um S- leslie maybe you can go first like what kind of things um were you doing to try and uh or what kind of things do you do you do at normal conventions and what kind of things were you doing to uh make sure people like knew how to find you where to find you or get them to come in for the online
4: uh, I- so, uh, of course, a really big, bold banner is really important. Uh, I usually have, for so for the Renaissance fairs that I do, I actually own a permanent booth. So I cover the outside of the booth with banners, just of my artwork, just giant pieces of artwork. And then on the front, I'll have a piece with all of my information on it, and it'll go from ceiling to floor. But I think that when you're kind of going into the more virtual side of things, uh, you can still kind of use the same sort of thing. Just get a really, really eye-catching banner for the front of your store. I can only talk to the storefront side of the online conventions because I've only done the Dragon Con, and that's pretty much where I lived in that convention was the storefront. So just having a really flashy banner and uh, really sharp, uh, professional looking product photos because you know they don't get to hold it in their hand they don't get to see it in person so it's really important to have those really nice product photos and uh, yeah that's that's pretty much it
1: <laughs> do you still speak in uh, renaissance voice uh, on the virtual con?
4: yeah absolutely every time I make a sale <laughs> I, I look straight at the camera straight at the, the computer screen and thank you lady. thank you m'lady <laughs> But I don't do the accent because I can't do it. So that's as far as it goes.
0: <laughs> um, well, Sarah, I, what, uh, what about you? What uh, have your you know, real-world convention experiences um, been like as far as you know, setting up a booth and making it appealing? And um, how did that compare and contrast to what you were doing similarly for the, uh, the online conventions?
2: So I, I tried, um, well, I agree with the the big colorful banners that have all your information. And I had that on my booth and on like the, the background behind my booth, um, for Monsterpalooza. And I also did the same thing. I made like, um a little my own like landing page for the con for both gen con and dragon con so rather than going to just my portfolio immediately you'd go to like the gen con page that had a gen con banner that like showed my sales that i was doing that weekend um had an embed of my stream had an about me section that people could easily get because i wanted to try and get that connection like anything to get that connection so they could learn about me they could see what i was doing Go to my virtual booth, which I had a picture of um, my booth, my physical booth, and then watch me live was uh, what I did for the online ones. The other things that I did, which I think was super helpful, was um, I um, always try and have a pretty strong newsletter, and I sent out one a day, like a featured item. Like you know, just so you know, I make illustrated novels. Just so you know, I have new figurines in the shop. And you know, by the way, here are my Gen Con sales. Oh, my um, my Patreon actually—that was a bright spot during Gen Con. I had some Patreon exclusive tiers, like join during Gen Con weekend and get this reward. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, the the that that tier just gets absorbed into a similar tier. It just doesn't have the Gen Con reward anymore. Um. And I think I got eleven or twelve new patrons during Gen Con, so that was fantastic.
3: Very cool. That's really cool. Um, Yeah, congrats. That's awesome.
4: That's really smart.
0: Yeah, when you when you said that, well, let me ask this real quick: when you're saying that you were sending out a newsletter every day, that was during the the course of the convention.
2: Yeah, Um. Uh-huh. so it would be, I don't know, like Friday to Monday, I think, uh-huh. where they run, or was it Thursday to Monday? Yeah, but it was just a short thing, kind of like a gallery, like, hey, here's my work, and I sell this.
0: Right on. Sorry, Moose, what were you saying? So uh,
5: this is all comparing what we did to uh, normal conventions to what we're doing with online conventions. But I'm curious how the sales held up. Like you don't have to talk in dollar amounts, but you can talk like percentages. Like what percent of the uh online sales were recouped from the uh uh in person sales. I guess we can start this at round table because everybody's gonna have their own experience with this. Uh Leslie, Sarah, and then Wade?
4: Uh so it was difficult for me because I've never done Dragon Con in person before, but I can compare it to the sales that I would do on a normal weekend at the Renfair. And I would say my sales over the weekend were probably a quarter of what I would do in person. So it, it was more than I expected because I honestly didn't expect to make any sales at an online convention, especially a convention that I've never been to and I don't have a fan base at. So it did better than I expected, but not as much as I would have liked. So for
2: for me, I, I don't have any trouble to- talking about numbers. Um, Based on the metrics I got from Gen Con, I got about $50 worth of sales through the Gen Con portal, but then I got about $450 worth of sales through my own, like my own advertising on my social media and my newsletter. And then of course there was um, the bump in the patrons, which was great. Dragon Con, um, the only way I got sales was because I made that storefront, that new shop for them was at Eventony. So I did do that. And I made back the table, um, basically. So I've only done um, the smaller conventions, the two small local conventions here in Monsterpalooza. And I would say that it's less than half than I made at those ones.
1: Uh yeah so um I actually had a, a con that snuck in before the pandemic as well Pensacon, uh and I did really well so I like Sarah I was like oh this is going to be you know it's be a solid year it's going to be good uh thinking GenCon is coming up um and uh I made about probably a little under a third of what I would normally make on a con weekend so for the effort and hours put in um I still made more than I thought I would make but I would probably go all in even more just because I don't know what else I would have been doing that weekend that I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to be there attending anyway. So anyway, that's just my kind of results on that.
5: Yeah. I guess one of the bonuses is that you don't have to travel to these locations. You don't have to pay for the flight and you don't have to pay for the uh, the, um, apartment. So I guess that's kind of money back in the bank at that point.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of other things I think you could do if you wanted to optimize that. Um, I don't know if that's something we want to talk about. Sure. For go, online for go for it. You know, and I, I usually sell prints that I bring, but uh, I already had a print shot an online uh, print order shop. And I just said, I'm selling through that. So I don't have to deal with shipping. I don't have to deal with packaging. Uh, I don't have to do it. I mean, I, open, I had an Etsy shop. Of course, I still had to do that kind of stuff, but, just having that print shop was a savior as a part of, you know, as opposed to me selling the prints, packaging, shipping. Um, and of course, like you said, all the travel expenses. I don't, yeah. I don't generally like to do that though. Cause of the whole, like, I don't know what the print quality is going to be. Um, but I figured, Hey, you know, this is an online, uh, situation. And I did let everybody know that was buying something that, you know, these have been sight unseen, most of them so
0: so for Sarah and Leslie um, when you guys were using the uh, the numbers um, Sarah, I think you said it was a, a third and Leslie said maybe a, a quarter or I have that reversed uh, is when you say when you use those quantifications are you taking into account um, you know what you otherwise would have spent for you know travel and setup and hotel and all that kind of stuff? Sarah, you can go first.
2: Oh, uh, for for me, it was uh, that was just like a gross profit. Uh-huh. So I didn't. Uh, well, actually, not really because the Massachusetts one I just drive to. Um, oh, it's right down the road from me. <laughs> so the only other one, the Cal- the California one, um, that one was weird. That was my first flying con, so a lot of that cost. Was bigger than it needed to be because I made mistakes. This my was my first flight con, so mm-hmm. the numbers on that one are a little bit hard to figure out what it would be if I did it again. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, mine was definitely taking that into account mm-hmm. uh, for the rent fare. I also live very close to it, so there's really no travel cost, but I do have to pay the rent fare. A percent of what i make and so you know that is even keeping that into account i st- it was still a quarter
0: mm-hmm. it'll be interesting so to what mention- it, it'll, it'll real quick it'll be interesting to uh revisit uh this uh like basically have a a redux of this whole thing uh this whole interview six months or how? like if it continues as it is and it like online conventions keep being the thing it'll be interesting to return to this to have like more one to one comparisons as far as like you know uh what actually like sort of like equates and once there's like more experience with the whole thing you know to get like a better idea of the numbers because this is also new and it's tempting to you know want to hypothesize about you know well are are those numbers or do those numbers reflect people's um, experience, like the visitors' experience, you know, and who was likely to go to an online convention versus not, and all those kinds of things? That all of the variables that are involved in that that are kind of like impossible to discuss in too much detail because we don't know. But so a lot of this is like conjecture. Um, but that's also kind of the the fun of it, you know. So like moving forward, you know, and like what what could this look like in the future? Moose, are you were you, you going well, to say before something?
5: I get to my question, um before I get to my question, uh, Steve in chat asked um, a question about paying for the booth at DragonCon. And I'm actually kind of curious about this with the, the other conventions as well. Um, my understanding is most of the time when you're paying for this convention, you're also paying for next convention because they j- generally just rolled them over. Was that the case in this situation too?
2: Yeah, uh, in GenCon, DragonCon... But they just rolled over, and Monster Palooza didn't do it. They just rolled over.
5: So it was free online, is what you're, we're saying this for this year.
4: Uh, I know DragonCon was, but I'm going to be participating in the online AlexCon, and they did not do that. <laughs> so I'm actually paying for my online space for that show. But it's supposed to be quite a bit bigger, and it's running for a quite a few months, I think like six months or something like that. So uh if we do have a recap, I'll let you guys know how that one goes. <laughs> Cause uh it's a it's you know it's a good table fee. So hopefully I'll be able to make that back.
3: Yeah, good luck. Yikes.
5: Um so the question I was gonna have was uh going back to Sarah's uh point about uh Patreon and how that's an uh, additional source of income for her. Um I'm curious what other uh avenues of income have you guys been pursuing as a method to supplement your income in the loss of the full fledged conventions and I guess we can go round table from Sarah Leslie to Wade
2: uh so yeah like I said, Patreon's my big one um if there's a bright spot to my twenty twenty it's been um my patreon i it's basically doubled this year uh which is amazing um I've done a couple of pledge drives. You know, people have been really responsive and I think partially people have been really responsive because they don't they can't like go and buy a print for me at a table. So they'll support me the another way. And Patreon's an easy way to do that. Aside from that, um, I'm pretty much set up to funnel like my my whole business funnel is to go into Patreon. So like, you know, you're on my newsletter, you're on my Twitch stream, you know, any of my social media at all goes to there. Um, But other than Patreon, Twitch, um, I've been streaming a little bit less, but I'm going to pick that up soon.
4: Uh, For me, uh, definitely Patreon is one of my big ones. But this year, I think the main thing that I've changed in terms of my business model is I've been focusing a lot more on Kickstarters. So I've been trying to do a Kickstarter every couple months two to three months, I try to fulfill my, my last Kickstarter before I start my next one, but that's the main change I've made. I've been picking up streaming a little bit more as well, uh, like Sarah, and yeah, trying to push the online sales.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I'm in a position where like the cons are, I don't really factor them into my income as much, uh, but I do miss them when they're not there. So, uh, I've just kind of opened up my commissions a little bit more and I'm, I'm fortunate to have been getting some of that going. Um, uh, I don't really, I don't have a Patreon, so I don't, I don't, uh, do anything through that, but the, the commissions one have artist helped, left
0: without um, a Patreon.
1: I don't know why I don't, I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, I don't.
5: And here I am dealing with an OnlyFans account.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't, I thought we were supposed to not mention about anything about that.
0: Oh, that's the next set of questions
3: for you in particular Wade. Um. uh there's
5: no smooth transition from this to another topic, so we'll
0: I, I, I I'm always saying um uh um uh, so don't take that as a having been thrown off course here. <laughs> so, so a little bit more on the that idea, and sort of for my own edification as well, like when you guys you know are trying to drive. Or, or Leslie, you, you in particular said, you know, you're trying to drive more online print sales. I hear from a lot of artists that, you know, that's tricky to do. It's like kind of hard to get people to go to your store and like buy stuff um, as much as they want to buy stuff from you. It seems like this weird thing where like I I know that there's people out there that would buy my stuff if they saw it like right in front of them. But then like nobody visits my store. What do you what kinds of things do you do to get people to uh, to drive the online sales, as you said?
4: Uh, Definitely taking advantage of that newsletter is a huge one, like Sarah was talking about earlier, um, you know, posting regularly to social media and the Twitch stream really does a lot to get people going out to your store as well. Uh, It is is tough. I've actually found I've been getting a lot of just random people going. Like I have no idea where they're coming from, but I'm definitely my online sales have gone up since I've stopped doing conventions. So I think that is a lot of like people who have taken business cards over the year and over the past years, they're going out there and they're, they're checking it out because they haven't been able to attend conventions. So they're looking to get something, but uh, yeah, those are basically the main places that i go to to try to find people
3: to buy my stuff um well it
0: if this does um become you know a a a continual thing like do you guys speaking for you know each of yourselves individually you guys think that you will continue to do them if they if it continues to be uh you know the 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 way of the foreseeable future
1: uh yeah i think um i think i would uh knowing that you know i always want to approach things especially in this case low expectations but still go in as you know pretty much try to go all in um if if it were a pay situation like if they're like, "Hey we'll give you a space for x amount of dollars it'd really I'd really reconsider it i don't really, I don't know if I would, but if it was like, "Hey, do this under our banner, do this under our name, sure, you know if I'm gonna be streaming anyway, why not? Mm-hmm.
0: Leslie, how about you?
4: Um, I agree it really has to do with the the table fee, as mm-hmm. you say um you know you're gonna get a lot less sales than you would in in, in an in-person convention so I really don't think that I would want to pay the same amount for a table fee as if I was going in Uh, I also I think I think I would definitely do it I think I feel pretty positively about it but I would try to limit how much time I put into setting up like a storefront and like I said just focus on like a few different series and uh, try to limit it to a day like you not only have to um, think about how much time it takes to set up the store, but how much time it's going to take to fulfill all those orders. It kind of feels like fulfilling a Kickstarter at the end of these conventions. And it can take, it can take a long time to fill, fill those up. And if you don't have the time in your schedule to do it, it can be, it can be a pretty daunting task. So yeah, just, you know, make sure that I have the time for it, but I would definitely do it.
0: Sarah, how about you?
2: Yeah, shipping day can be a shipping day was a long day those two days, but yeah, I agree. If it was free, I'd do it. Um, if it's not free, it would really depend on if they kind of changed how they were um, maybe marketing the artists. I got a impression, and you had said something earlier that like we're kind of the con, and it didn't feel like that to me because it felt like. Um, the attendees, like, they, and, and I get, I 100% get why they did this. They, they were like, the attendees get what the attendees need. So they were like, go play this game, go to this lecture, go see this panel, go do this. And the artist and the artist Alley and the vendors were just kind of, these are links on the side. And so mm. if they changed their policy and they had some sort of more of like you know go see the artists or like this is where you can meet the artists or we're going to do interviews with the artists or something like that because it's like we're just we were just like kind of in the background um easy to miss and so i wouldn't pay for that experience but if they changed how they did it then i might
5: that's a good point because this was all again this is all last minute but the uh, what i've seen was that the artists were like the afterthought we we owe you this obligation and we you're technically not paying for it so just take what we give you as opposed to something that they craft a experience that would drive people to um to your booth basically
2: i i had i had that feeling as well um so i agree there
1: yeah i think it's just like you said uh last minute not really knowing how to handle that mm-hmm. i mean in a real convention you can Sort of guide flow so they can guide people through an artist alley and say you have to go through this to get to this other place. Can't really do that online. You just have links.
5: Is there so, anything that they can do that you would suggest?
1: That was gonna be my, I my next I guess we can do
5: a round table again. Leslie, to Sarah, to to Wade.
4: Uh, I would love to see more interaction with the artist, whether it be like kind of like the artist set up some sort of demonstration or tutorial or something and maybe having their an optional video or chat or something set up beside the storefront, maybe on the same page so that it's not disconnected and it's not hard to jump from one to the other. Uh, I would really love that because I think that that's going to have that personal touch that you're losing with the online convention. And I think that w- would help drive sales and stuff, because I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking to have an experience and they're not really having that experience with the artist with these online conventions. They're just seeing like a flat storefront or they're just seeing a stream and they're, they don't know how to get to the the store. Like it's not as easily apparent. So I think having them combined would be really a strong thing.
2: I absolutely love that idea. I didn't really have a good idea, but what you just said was amazing. Um, the other thing I would really love would be if, um, in at, at like on Gen Con, they were like, oh, go see this person talk. And you could like be in the schedule. And for an artist to be in the schedule, I asked about that. And they sent me, like they basically sent me an email that was like, it's kind of hard to do. You need to have your shit really together. Here's all the guidelines you have to do and it was like super scary and i would really wish that they would just like make it easier to just like be like hey you know this artist is streaming on twitch right now it's not like a wicked official you know thing it's just this stream is happening right now
1: yeah just a way to highlight that hey these people are streaming are they're like uh, leslie said they're doing a presentation and even just highlighting them you know Rotating through one per hour, if everybody you know were streaming or there was something to show, um, it, just a way to say that this is happening live and you can go watch it is huge. Um, you know, front page it. You know, do something.
0: I, my my imagination is going to like a Google Maps kind of scenario. Like, I don't even know like how feasible this would be, but you know, where you have like a top-down view, like a map of the convention the convention and you like kind of pretend that there's a convention hall, you know, and there's like, uh, all of the normal stuff, like the games are happening over here and the, this and that is all over here. And then artist alley is over here and it's literally like little fake booths, you know? And then there's like the artist headshot in it or, you know, what whatever kind of booth space it is, there's like the headshot and then you s- hover over it. And it, give, it has a little pop-up blurb. And then you can click that person and it'll take you to the page. And then there's your storefront and there's your live stream. And, you know, there's all of the things that, I don't know, it's um, all wishful thinking. But that'd be, that'd be uh, I've awesome. heard,
2: I've heard a number of people say what you just said. Like, that's uh-huh. the thing that they miss, is they miss the map. Right. And so I definitely second what you just said. And the other thing I'd love is if that map, you once you clicked it, it would, like, change the color of the booth. Because mm-hmm. if you walk through with like a pen, you can be like, "Been here, been here, been oh, here." Yes. So so no yeah. one gets missed, and I had a few people approach me, and they're just like, "I just, I just missed you," like I just there was so much, I just missed. You could so also do
5: something with a. Uh, sorry, you go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I was just saying, I think I, I was preoccupied that weekend, but I did not uh, go to the light box. Uh, artist alley and i've heard that that was a they had like a virtual representation of i don't know in what form uh oh. of the booths um if anybody knows that you know or has information on that speak up
2: i Oops, went through every you... single booth <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i went through i went through every single booth and uh tried to follow every single artist who was on on there um and it was cool i thought it was kind of annoying Honestly, it was like a neat gimmicky thing, and then they would have like some people. You could be like, "Oh, okay, I see the icon for their uh, their their uh, Twitter." Boom, right there. Some people would just have a picture that would be unlabeled, and you'd hmm. click it, and then you'd see what the label was underneath it. And it might be like, you know, my biography or my shop or my Twitter. And it was it was almost cool. Like just <laughs> tweak it, and it'll be cool.
1: So it wasn't a map or any kind of layout of any
3: type.
2: Uh, Not really, they had the, like, you know how in Gen Con they'll have, like, row 500, row 600? They had that, but aside from that and, like, aisles, they didn't have, like, they didn't have a top-down map or anything like that.
5: Yeah, um, Lightbox was very hands-off. They let a whole lot of the control go in the hands of the artists and um, the presenters as well. So the presenters got to choose which platform they wanted to stream on um they could stream on twitch they could stream on uh, youtube they could stream on uh, zoom and there was something else the the downside of the zoom one was just as a tangent was they were limited to 100 participants which seemed not great but um yeah the lightbox was very much uh artist
3: driven so the artists had a whole lot of control over how they presented their their stuff Is there any word in. And in, I forgot the follow up question I had previously. Oh.
0: Well, expand or uh, is there any idea or rumor of how long cancellations will continue or how, you know, it, any idea at all of like any word of conventions alluding to the fact that maybe they'll have a live one at some point in the future?
4: Joby, there is a horror con happening here like next weekend. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on.
0: Oh, oh,
5: really? So they're like, happening. It's just a matter of whether or not it's a good idea or not to go. Uh, yeah, yeah.
4: Some people are just doing it. I, I can't say when it's going to be a good idea, but there's some conventions rolling those dice already.
0: How do you, how do yeah, you guys, yeah, Wade and Sarah, how do you guys feel about that idea? <laughs> like, are you have any inclination to go to an in-person con at this point?
1: Uh, not even, even Pentagon that was right at the end of February, there were already people kind of like eyeballing, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, right. should we be here right now? Hmm. Um, but, uh, it was fine. Uh, but I did just talk to a smaller convention, uh, Memphis comic expo yesterday and, um, they would have, they would have been doing their con in three weeks. They've canceled it and they're just like playing it year to year at this point. So they said hopefully next year.
2: I I miss them. I really want. I I it's funny where I was thinking about just getting into cons like finally this year. I really wanted to be able to make that connection with like all new people and I really want that, but I have um a couple people in my life who are real high risk and mm-hmm. I love them more than I love money. So I can't do that.
0: Yeah, no, totally.
2: If
5: if conventions were outside if everybody had to wear masks, if everybody you know was you know in a bubble, you know that'd be one thing. But we all know that people have a hard enough time taking showers for these conventions. Uh, so <laughs> them uh, doing proper hygiene and not sneezing in public with a with a mask off—that's too much to expect of people. So I imagine we're going to be like another year away before we see large, multi-tens of thousands of people at a convention again. At least in the United States; other countries probably sooner
0: a year away so that yeah
1: i don't trust it yet yeah
0: if, if, if it was best case scenario and it, and it was say a year away how many conventions would that otherwise mean for you guys like over the course of, of a year for those of you that have been you know to have done it semi-regularly how many would you guys normally have gone to either as a uh, a vendor or just an attendee
2: This year I was gonna do five, uh, so I, and the, and the, that's one of the things that's been stressing me out is like, so all these conventions got rolled over. So are they gonna be willing to roll them over again to the next year? Because I mean, I still like they still have my money, <laughs> um. so that's um. That's a that's a worry, I, but I mean, if they did, you know, Gen Con and Dragon Con and Monster Palooza online again, I would do it again, um, and I would let them keep my money for 2022. But it, uh, my my worry is if they pull the trigger and they're like, we're doing it anyways, and then I'm gonna have to, you know, beat it, I guess.
1: Oh. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. It's kind of the same, like. Uh, I'd do it again if they went virtual, but if they said, I mean, it would, I'd have to look at the, the climate, you know, see what everything, how everything's going, but, uh, probably not going to be attending if we're still in bad situation. Um, well, yeah,
0: I guess I was just sort of like re underlining the question of like how many you would have otherwise gone to, you know, like if, right, if, right. if, if COVID uh, wasn't a thing looking forward through to, you know, we're going asked into 2021 now you know how many conventions would you say you might check out
1: yeah uh for me it would have been, i think it would have been five or six just depending on if i got into one you know certain ones or not uh but that's about the normal uh anywhere three to five or six is about my men my men and max
4: uh, for me, it really depends on uh, if you count the Renaissance Fair as one show or eight shows because it's eight weekends long. <laughs> uh, oh, but I yeah. have the run fair it goes all summer long, and then I do usually a couple more smaller local shows like gaming um, testing conventions. They're play testing pretty much, and I go there to find some some work. Sometimes I'll get uh, commissions from some of the games that still haven't developed far enough to have the artwork yet. And I've just started to look into the larger conventions. Like I said, this is my first year applying and getting into DragonCon. And I would like to do Gen Con and some of those other shows too. The only problem with those shows is that they overlap my renaissance there. So I would have to um, hire someone to work my booth and me not be there. And that's something that I really haven't had the confidence to do yet. Like to trust someone to be representing my brand and to be selling my products correctly while I not under my supervision so uh yeah i'm hoping to ramp it up eventually but there's quite a few things that i need to to figure out first
1: uh what does that gig pay
4: (sighs) we can talk about it lots of
3: hugs (laughs) (laughs) i've seen
0: some inclination um cash up front around um speaking to uh you know the idea of them kind of becoming more even if if covid disappeared uh we're not let's let's not speak in in too much frivolity if covid became uh if the threat of covid was reduced to the point that going to a convention was more or less back to normal i have heard some inclination that it'd be cool if a virtual platform was available um just as part of like a a regular thing because there's you know lots of people that may want to go to a convention but for a whole host of reasons may not be able to logistically or physically or or, or what have you. Um would you guys do more if that was the case, you know, where an, an online platform for any given convention was an option um would you guys do more conventions even if physical attend uh, attendance was you know back to normal as it were would that increase the uh, amount of conventions that you would either attend you know as a vendor or just a, a visitor wait i see you I thinking think hard on have this, one. this
3: a little bit earlier though with
5: um them saying that they would do it depending on the price right
1: yeah that's where it would fall with me is is availability and you know cost in general and you know what their plans were you know what's going to set them uh you know apart make it reason a reason for me to do it mm-hmm.
0: yeah no that's true we did we did go over it i guess i was more um thinking in terms of like all things being equal like this is a. Uh, you know a a reasonable way for you to come to a convention and we've got the basis covered as far as like you know cost and 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 stuff like that and would it, if it was just a viable way for you to participate in a convention would that increase the number of conventions that you would you know be likely to participate in
3: I mean I think as far as
1: like uh vending uh yeah, probably, um, depending on the con. But I, I want to say from the attendee side, I think that's going to be a thing. I think Gen Con is going to do virtual and physical. I mean, I, I can't speak for them, but they had a really good turnout for games being played online. Imagine that. Uh, so I think <laughs> they're probably going to do it. and uh, I don't see why the other ones wouldn't either, you know.
3: Sarah or Leslie, any either of you guys have a thought on that?
4: I don't know if it would impact uh, how many shows I did, but I would definitely partake if it was like optional online, I would definitely partake in the optional side. I would probably, just like I said before, limit how much effort I put into it. Cause getting ready for a convention, going to the convention, coming back from the convention, dealing with all of your, your stuff can take, for me, it takes, a week or more to get ready for a show. So to add an extra setup for a virtual convention happening at the same time would be very difficult for me. And I don't know if I'd be able to fit into my schedule per se. So I would probably very much limit what I did for an online convention. But I don't think it would adjust my numbers in any way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty much the exact same thing. Cause if you're gonna it's it's asking a lot and if there's if if I want to go to a convention, I really actually want to go to it. I mean, otherwise, I can just stream if I wanted to meet people virtually.
0: It'd be great if there was some kind of standardization, you know, where you have, like, the online stream kit or the online kit, um, and you just have all of your information plugged in, you know, and then you just send it to them in a block, and they get to plug it into that virtual map that we were talking about before and that's just you know, you have it like a profile, like a Facebook profile or you know, any other social media profile, and then you're just like, yep, yeah, here's my convention information and they just stick it in there. That seems like the would be the thing to do. Because then it wouldn't really cost anything on anybody's on, on on either one's end. It's just the 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 processing a minimal processing fee, maybe that seems like a, a an easy way to make to drop out the cost that they would inflict upon you guys you know and and still encourage like more participation because it yeah i don't know
5: because what the world needs now is another social network
0: well it, i mean it would it would i'm thinking more like facebook before facebook was facebook and when you had to have like a dot edu account or whatever you know it's like it'd be a a, a a particular thing for a particular group of people yeah not like you have to regularly but well, you can update it and maintain it to whatever you degree you want but anyway totally theoretical but anybody that's listening I, I give you permission to use that idea um i didn't uh really have too much more to keep you guys uh to take up too much more of your guys's time um unless moose had any other questions or anything, anything else you want to throw in
5: yeah may mentioned that you were going to be doing uh, some more kickstarter stuff so what kind of, of kickstarter stuff? Would you suggest people look into like what has your experience been so far with setting it up
4: um so since i'm trying to do a whole bunch right now instead of like one large one that would take like multiple years to get all the artwork done um, i'm focusing on small they 're called quick starters and they have a very low goal. And uh, they don't take a lot of time to set up. They don't take a lot of time to fulfill. They have only um, a small amount of rewards so that I don't have a lot of different orders to have to put together. And uh, I've found a lot of success in that. They've been doing really well. I've been focusing on pins I've been doing. I've actually been converting some of the artwork that I already have finished into pin designs, because uh, they've been a pretty popular series in my online conventions in the past. And uh, since people all have their favorite, I'm doing bird dragons. They've all had their favorite bird dragons. Uh, they've they've seen these in person. They've already kind of established a connection with the pieces. I've already had a back and forth with them about the pieces. Uh, so they all want the bird dragon that they have a print of, or that they had a, a connection with in person. And I've found that the small the small Kickstarters are really, really powerful right now.
5: We're going to be uh, talking more about Kickstarters in the future. I think we have like one or two episodes entirely devoted to them. So hopefully that'll be useful to uh, more people out there that found interest in this topic. And I remembered my, uh, my follow-up question from earlier. It's uh, on mailing lists. Oh, so Sarah, um how did you uh grow your mailing list? Like how big is it now mm. and how much time and effort does it take to manage?
2: So um my mailing list uh I regularly cull it because um uh you have a cap before you have to pay on Mailchimp and the thing is like a lot of people are um think having a huge mailing list is awesome except it's not if those people aren't interacting with your your newsletter so you want a smaller group of active people so I, I do regularly get rid of people who don't open the um the letters but um right now it's uh about 800 and the way I got it started and it happened like in a flash I got together with um uh, one of my friends who's a game designer and we made a DD module um and he did all the you know, statting and writing and the whole story. I did all the art. We put it together. I made game tokens and a map and we offered it for free. If you sign up um, on the newsletter and I put it in the D and D Facebook group and it was like 100 to 700 in in one weekend. And then after that, it's been, um, it's, it's just been like kind of steady things. I try and do something maybe uh, every other month and it'll be like, you know, Join my mailing list and get a brush. Join my mailing list and get these creature prompts. Uh, I did a big collab piece this year with a bunch of um, game writers, and I had 365 creature prompts that you could do, and then they statted out nine of them, and I illustrated them. So if you join the mailing list, you get that for free. So basically, I offer stuff, and then people join my mailing list.
0: (laughs) Where are you offering these things? Sorry, when... Sorry, Jebby, go ahead and answer your question. When you're, when you say, you know, you're, you're making these offerings, what types of places are you putting up those offers?
2: Oh, um, that usually is, uh, Facebook is probably my biggest one, then Twitter, then Instagram and, um, Twitch as well. Okay.
5: So now I have two follow-up questions. One was, um, in regard to what you just said, when you say Facebook, do you mean Facebook groups or do your own Facebook page?
2: So uh, my own Facebook page, my business page, and also my personal page, because um, I'm I'm not like just, like some people are like, you know, art business, and I'm a blend. I'm all mixed up. So my Facebook personal page is pretty art business heavy. Mm-hmm.
5: And what's the uh, limit on the free mailing list, list?
2: Off the top of my head, I think 2000. It's, like yeah, yeah. it's 2,000. Yeah, for MailChimp, it's
0: 2,000.
2: Yeah.
5: I was thinking, because uh, there was another uh, podcast, uh, uh, Three Point Perspective, and they had suggested an alternative to MailChimp, but I couldn't remember
3: what their cap was, other than they said it was higher than MailChimp. But I don't have that information off the top of my head. I wish I had written it down,
5: because I wrote down in me- private messages to people. Uh, hey, check out this alternative to MailChimp, and I'm looking. Why didn't I write down the name of it? So, anyway.
0: If you're using Squarespace, they they have a, a a mailing list service as well that I think that they charge a small additional fee, but then it's like I I think it's unlimited. They they charge a small additional fee like from the beginning, I think, but then it's like unlimited, however many people you want to keep hold of. But anyway,
5: so for mailing lists, do you um send them? Regular um, messages, or do you only send the messages when you have something for them to like to sell or something?
2: I have a goal, um, a monthly goal. I write, I try and do two newsletters a month. Uh, It used to be one. But, you know, for 2020, you don't see anyone in person. So I thought I'd do too. And if I have something to sell, and basically it's like if I have an online con, I try and sell something. And if not, I usually talk about um, my, my Patreon is centered around a personal project that I'm doing. So it's like an alien creature book. So I talk about that. And then like, that's, that's the whole workflow. Like eventually, maybe some of them will filter in and become patrons. But I usually just tell them stories about aliens. Huh.
0: Always a good way All to right,
5: go. So, um,
2: I think we're out of questions. So,
5: I guess what we can do is do a quick round of self promotion what you guys have coming up. So, we can, or tell people where to find your stuff, what kind of stuff you have available. And then we can do a roundtable of uh, Leslie Sarah Wade.
4: Uh, okay, so I stream on Twitch. Uh, uh, Mighty May is my username on Twitch. I do that every Thursday. Uh, My website is www.lisleykissili.com. And I will be attending the online AlexCon show at the end of October. (laughs) So all my new originals will be available there. I haven't shown them to anyone yet. So that'll be the first place you're going to be able to see them.
2: So uh, all my stuff is really easy. It's just my name. And I actually have a really rare last name. So there's only five Sarah Dollingers in the world and only one makes monsters. So that's me. Um, but yeah, it's just SarahDollinger.com or, you know, uh, Patreon.com slash Sarah And just if you search my name in any platform that you're on, it you can find me.
0: That's really interesting. <laughs> five. I think there's more yes. five there's more than five uh Joby doors in the world, so figure that one out. <laughs> Wade, how about you?
1: Yeah, but there's only one you, Jim. Hey, there's only one you that's me. Uh yeah, just like Sarah uh just um you search Wade Acuff on uh Instagram, Twitch, uh I also stream on Behance. Um you can find me there and you can ask me any questions. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got really going on right now. All the cons are closed, guys.
0: Well aside uh sorry I, I I aside from a personal promotion uh or even like personal projects I like to ask people sometimes what are you excited about right now like what's just going on in the world things that you're aware of that are happening that you're stoked on Let's go in reverse order Wade Sarah Leslie
1: Um hmm, that's a good question uh you know right now I'm um kind of stuck in that like what am i excited for i know i know that there's a an adobe max coming up and i'm hoping they make some crazy announcements about 3d stuff but that's just my own personal hopes uh i'd love to see them getting to get into the like 3d modeling um you know aspect of things um but uh I'm really into finding new artists. So always, if you come to the stream, share something. Uh, that's that's really what keeps me going right now is finding new work, new people. I'm um, always digging through Instagram. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm excited about, just seeing new things.
2: I, I, w- I won't lie, this year you really got to kind of dig for that. <laughs> um, but the thing that I'm most excited about is um, my personal work right now. Uh, I really like how that's coming and that's getting, I I, I want to be able to use personal work to attract like the game or movie or you know book publishing jobs that i'm getting so i've gotten some nice feedback from that so that's really awesome to be able to like make a personal piece and then have someone approach you and say i saw that personal piece i want to hire you for my thing which is really cool and other than that i am on week 51 of 52 of weightlifting every single week so that's pretty good too
0: whoa (laughs) very much congratulations that's
3: awesome better than i am yeah
1: (laughs) what week are you on miss
3: I just started again, so I'm on week two.
1: <laughs> you gotta
3: start somewhere, right? Yeah, keep it up. The lads
5: call me Mighty Moose. No, sorry.
4: Yes. <laughs> um, for me, the things that I'm excited for is uh so every year I spend a huge chunk of my year getting product ready for my Renaissance fair that runs for the eight weekends every summer. And I have all of my product ready already because we didn't have the show. So all of my 2020 product is now going to get pushed to 2021. So that is going to open up a ton of time for me this year to focus on other projects that I haven't been able to spend as much time with. So I'm really excited to spend more time with my tarot and keep on plugging away on that. And hopefully in a couple of years, I'll have it finished where I think I'm like, halfway almost three quarters it's uh it's taking a long time but i'm excited that's, to have more time for that that's a big job though so congrats on that <laughs> thank you
0: yeah we're gonna we're gonna have leslie on again in the future just to talk about that because it's like <laughs> it's like, i have i have many questions about that one uh and valuable lessons that uh leslie um and her husband can impart on time management. I've learned a lot from both of them on time management and if you have like a bunch of projects going, but anyway, that's for another time. I would love to have, uh, we would love to have, uh, all of you on again, respectively at some point in the future to talk about, you know, all the cool stuff that you guys are, are doing. Um, but for now we'll, we'll wrap it up and just a big, big thanks for spending some time and talking about your online convention experiences and, you know, we'll see where this goes. And Hopefully it gets better, and if it's something that you guys continue to do in the future we'll we should all meet again and talk about it some more as a as a as a review All right you guys I'm gonna end it. Yeah. yeah, cool, I'm gonna end it there.